Hey, everybody. This is Optimistically Depressed. I am your host, Ruth McMullen, and this evening I am graced by the presence of Mike Mousseau. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Oh, it is going so great. How about you? Good. 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 Um, yeah, so I, I met with Mike about, what, has it been a week? A week ago? Yeah, I think so. Okay, and I heard some of Mike's story. It blew me away. The stuff that this guy has been through and then to have the character that he has is extraordinary. And so I've just got to say, like, it's an honor to be sitting here in his presence like, and actually, I'm saying that and it's sounding a little bit sarcastic because I tend to sound sarcastic, but I really mean it. It's like, I thank you so much for coming out here tonight. Anytime. Thanks. So, Mike. Yes. You want to just get right into it? Sure. We, or, we, I'm not, this is my first time doing a podcast. So, uh, you're, you're my, my tester. Awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, cool. Okay, so then, Mike. Yep. Tell me. Tell me some of uh, tell me some of your story. You told me some of your story a week ago, and let's hear it. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll start from the very beginning. I guess um, growing up, um, my mom was going through depression of her own, um, and at the time, I think she was more so in denial about it mental health wasn't a huge thing in the 90s so it, yeah it was just kind of yeah that unspoken thing um but I got the brunt of it um a lot of the time so whenever she got upset um she would take it out on me um yelling screaming slamming doors typical angry stuff and how old were you when that started as young as I can remember. Okay. Um, yeah, so... I mean, like, being that young, it's... I mean, you don't... You don't know what's going on. Like, it would just be... I did something wrong. Mom gets angry. She's going to scream. She's going to do whatever it is she does. And then it'll be over with, and I move on. And did that seem normal to you? Like, did you kind of think that every kid had that, that life? Um... I, I guess. I mean, I, I had no reason to think otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, I've seen my parents or my friends, like, parents get angry. Like, obviously not to that degree, but I mean, mm-hmm. um, anger's anger. So, yeah. I don't know. I didn't think it was, yeah, any different. No. Okay. That's, that's pretty hard. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I like just today, yeah. I mean, my mom is a fantastic woman. I mean, she's the older I got, the more I went through. Um, she has done so much for me in so many different aspects of my life. Um, yeah. It sounds like like when you were telling me a little bit of the story about uh, how you had some equipment, a bunch of very expensive equipment stolen from your car on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It sounded like she was really awesome and came through for you and just really yeah. helped out with that. So, I mean, yeah, even growing up um, after the fact, like, I never held anything against my mom. Um, my 
relationship with her has always been very like close knit and emotional. So yeah, and, and so like so why and is it because like the fact that your relationship with her was really close knit was is that why you, you never really held anything against her because you understood where she was coming from? Or um, why is that? I don't know. Um, I've always been the kind of person to like feel more comfortable around like women in general. Um, so the older I got, um, the more that I went through, the more, I guess like growing up that I actually did, it was just a lot more comfortable to talk to my mom. Um, I don't know. It's, it was a really weird dynamic considering uh, the history her and I had when yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Man, that speaks volumes about your character and, and her character yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, so um, keep going. So what else, what other kind of highlights did you have throughout your childhood? Um, so... I don't, I can't, it's so hard for me to actually remember the age, but I think it was like my first year of junior high or just before, um, I ended up, there was, I think it was a year or two year period where I was, um, continually sexually assaulted by, um, a friend that I had grown up with, um, and before, I guess... before anybody really kind of like um, thought about the idea of like people coming out, yeah. like that was kind of how I found out. So. Okay. Uh, so, so when I say that, it's like, obviously the, because of like what was happening, like I knew this guy was gay. Right. But because he, I don't know if it was because he hadn't come to terms with it like himself, like it wasn't known to anybody else. So it was just kind of, yeah. It was okay. And you and him were pretty close friends. We, yeah. So we grew up together. We lived in the same subdivision. Our, um, our families were close. It was, yeah, kind of a shitty situation. I mean, it's a shitty situation to be in regardless, but yeah. Um, yeah, you're young, and so you don't really know, like, what it is you can do about it. Like, I remember knowing that, like, what was happening wasn't, like, it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't something, ultimately, like, it wasn't something that I wanted to happen, but at the same time, it's, like, yeah, you're just stuck. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. So you say, so you were stuck. So you like, does that mean you felt like there was no one that you could really talk to about it? Yeah. I yeah. mean, um, as it happened, um, I kind of reached out to friends here and there. Um, but I mean, like at 12 years old, like what advice is anybody like, what advice is another 12-year-old going to give you? Like, it just... No, but at that age, like, it's... 
the possibility that somebody else has gone through something similar is quite small. Um, and even if somebody had gone through something like that, like the possibility of them like wanting to talk about it is also quite small. So it just, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really heavy, but like, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So what made it stop? Um, we just grew apart and I know that sounds really weird, but I mean like being in school, like you just mesh with different people. So, I mean, I found a different friend group. Um, and at the time it kind of stopped, like it was widely known that he had come out and he was gay, um, and kind of found like a clique of his own that like suited that. So yeah, we just went our separate ways and didn't ever really speak about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then... And then you were saying before that it kind of left you asking some questions about like your own sexuality. Yeah. So, and that, that started, I think, um, in high school, um, I'd always been the kind of, like, as a kid, like I was always into girls and I remember I would fantasize like the perfect, I don't know, like every kid fantasizes about being a superhero, but like mm -hmm. my story would always be like, I rescue the damsel in distress kind of thing. Nice. Um, and I actually remember like I was home alone one day and it was just this thought that came into my head, just like, no, like there was nothing leading up to it. It was just this thought and it was like on like the homosexual side of things and it just it threw me off um for so long because I could, like I just couldn't understand like where it was coming from yeah um and I think because of the underlying anxiety um that like I had since I was a kid like I just held on to it and because it was something like so different and so foreign and so like unwanted like I didn't want to talk about it with anybody um because I didn't like I was scared for the longest time like I was scared that like there was a possibility that I could be gay and it was not something that I was ready to come to terms with and it wasn't something that like it wasn't how I thought my life like would turn out to be kind of thing so it just yeah, yeah it was uh internal personal struggle for a really long time so then what made you realize that you weren't gay? Talking. Amazing <laughs> <laughs> um, what that does. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, so all throughout high school, um, it was something that I struggled with. And it wasn't actually until, um, actually, I don't even know. But I had a friend in high school who we lived at his place every weekend. Um, his mom would pick us up four o'clock after school Friday. She would take us to get groceries and we'd live there until like Sunday. Hmm. Um, and she was everybody's second mother. We were all her kids. Um, 
so I mean, obviously, like the ten years that she had like watched us grown up at the time, like she definitely knew like all of us. Um, so anything that happened in our lives, like she would always just jump on and make sure everybody was okay. So there would be times where um, everything would just get to the point where it was too much, and I would need somebody to talk to but at the time like I couldn't talk to my parents so she was just like that extra like outside um kind of person and she was the most blunt honest person I've ever met so she like we would talk and she would explain things and tell me things that I didn't want to hear at all Hmm. um but it just I don't know, stuck after a while. I just kind of stuck. And she made me realize that because it happened and because like I ultimately let it continue to happen um, doesn't mean it was because I wanted to. Um, it wasn't because I enjoyed it. Um, it was more so... Her, like, her focus of the conversation was always, like, as a human, like, regardless of, like, what something or, like, somebody's doing to you, whether or not it's um, wanted, like, it's going to feel good. Like, humans just have the sexual urge that if it's taken care of in any way, it's, like, your body's going to react, like, in right. that way. Right. Um, and it took her at least three, four, five times of just like reiterating that until I finally started to accept and believe that that's all it was. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is, she sounds like an incredible woman. Oh man. She's, yeah, she's something else. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Darlene. Yeah. Darlene. Yeah. She's, oh man, she's great. Life changer. Yeah. I don't know where I would be if, like, I did not know that woman. Like, she's, yeah. I think she's seen me cry more times than any one of my friends have seen me cry. And this is, like, one of my best friend's mothers. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. So, um... So let's, um, I have a question about your mom. Yep. When did things start to turn around? Um, she always told me it was after her brother died. Okay. Um, and at that time I was still young. I think I was only eight or nine when it happened. And I remember, um, walking out of the living room and my parents were out on the back deck and I could see that my mom was upset and my dad was um, standing over her and I asked if I could have a friend over and she was just like not today like I'm not feeling well and I was just like okay and I just completely oblivious to anything heavy that was happening right yeah um, but yeah she always said that it wasn't until um, her brother died that she really realized that she had underlying issues um so she went to counseling and she was on medication um which again 
at that age, I was completely oblivious to it. Just after a while, mom just stopped getting angry and life went on as normal. And yeah. Wow. So then there was never a point where you like when you had to realize that whatever happened was wrong and get over the, the pain that was caused from that? Like, or do you think that just kind of happened gradually? I think it just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was because of what was going on, like as I got older, um, it was, it wasn't always the easiest to try and, um, like hide. So I would act out in certain ways. Um, and I was an angry kid. Um, so I think like once my parents started to see, um, like that side of me, they would step in and um, either ask me to talk to them about it, which I wasn't willing to do, um, or they would offer to find me help elsewhere. Um, so there are always like super, um, observant of just like how I was. And I think like, regardless of how I felt about it at the time, like that's something any kid needs is like that attention from their parents. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what happened when I was a kid, like my mom, a hundred percent stepped up to the plate as I got older still throughout my adult life. So. Wow. Okay. All right. So Mike. Yes. I've got, so like you have an incredible life story. Like, I know that we're just, like, we're barely even, like, this is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. But just off of these incredible stories that you're sharing with me, I have some questions about, you know, about forgiveness and shame and grace and those kinds of things. Because you hear, like, you hear those words all the time, but I think that you are one of the better qualified people to speak on those things. So, um, so then to you, like, what does forgiveness look like? That's, <laughs> that's loaded. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. Because it's like, it's not something, it's not something that you can force. Um, I spent a lot of my later teen years, um, trying to bury everything um, when it came to, um, I guess the sexual part of my life, if I want to call it that, um, trying to tell myself that I would forgive him or I did forgive him or that it was done and over with and I didn't need to think about it anymore. Um, but subconsciously, like I just wasn't there yet. Um, there would be moments where I'd kind of just like act out in my head um, how like meeting him would go or like how talking to him would go like in regards to forgiving him. And, um, I was always angry about it. Um, 
and it still didn't sit right and I still had a million questions and it was yeah it just never really clicked and then one day I just thought about it and it didn't hurt it didn't bother me I wasn't angry um and I'd spoken to an old friend of mine um, and when we, we were younger, the three of us were all mutual friends. And I said, I think I'm at the point where like, I want to sit down and forgive him. And I don't even think I said the word forgive him. Um, I think I just said that I want um, to let him know that I wasn't angry anymore. Um, and she said that I should do it. And I did, and I reached out, and I told him that I wasn't mad, and if he was willing to sit down, then I would like to talk to him face-to-face -face and just explain where I was coming from. And, uh, yeah, I, d I don't really know what I was expecting when it happened, but I woke up the next day and ended up getting a massive, heartfelt, emotional apology from it. Um, and I think that was really all I wanted. Um, and just what he said in the tone of what he said, like, I could honestly tell that, like, he was being, um, sincere and I knew that it left him with, um, scars of his own. So, yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Man. So then what does, uh, what does shame look like? Shame is a lot. Um, shame is self-loathing, um, self-hatred. Shame is burying all of your emotions and trying not to talk about them. Um, shame is putting on a front to try and show people that um, you're okay and you're invincible and you've got your shit together when in reality you are falling apart if not broken on the inside and you have absolutely no idea how to um, put the pieces back together. Um, when I was dealing with all of that and going back to um, the multiple conversations with Darlene, um, the thing that really tore me apart the most about the whole thing is that I knew it was wrong um, and I continued to let it happen because to a degree it was pleasurable um, and that's where the battle with like my sexual identity came from um, I thought that because I liked it that I was gay or at least some part of me was gay and because I had such a firm like affirmation that I wasn't gay as a kid it was just super conflicting um, and as 
a young teenager, um, it made me like really uncomfortable around gay people. And that's, it was really unfortunate at the time because there were other people who ended up like joining our friend circle who were gay and they were and are fantastic people. And I'm still friends with them, um, to this day, but just like during that time period, it was real uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. So, um, that was an incredible answer, by the way. Thank you. Wow. Okay. So, um, so you yourself, you struggle with, uh, some mental health issues, right? Yeah. And so do you think, um, do you think that the stuff that has happened to you throughout your life so far, like that, that contributes to hundred percent. Would you think that it was the cause of it or would you say that it's a trigger or, um, a lot of it I think is directly related. Um, I remember as a kid and again, as a kid, you have like, you're so oblivious and you don't know like what's, normal I guess for like other people yeah um so I remember I would go to bed um and I would be terrified of being alone um if my parents like let our dog out after I went to bed like I would sit at the end of my bed until I heard them come back in because like I couldn't I was terrified of being alone um I would curl up as tight as I could against the wall um to try and make myself as small as possible because like I didn't want anybody to come in and get me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and who knows if like what I went through with my mom as a kid, like that contributed to, um, but I mean, growing up with the sexual assault or molestation or whatever it is you want to call it. Um, that was a huge, aspect of the like increase of anxiety and the depression I went through mm-hmm. um, during high school college early early adult I guess <laughs> um, where I'm still really young but um, that I guess that like any trust that you would have in people is absolutely shattered. Um, at age 12, I learned that people are capable of completely destroying like another human being's life. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a really hard thing to, um, try and push through I don't even remember what the question was no that's (laughs) no this is great oh wait so age 12 you realized how someone can destroy another person's life what was it that made you realize that um the the sexual assault yeah yeah so you were okay you were 12 when that happened and I mean like I guess even with like on that topic um the sexual assault was kind of the tip of the iceberg when it came to um, like that specific person because I found out um, later on that um, 
that said person would like make um, like fake MSN accounts and like message kids within the neighborhood like trying to persuade them into um, like telling gay experiences like if they've ever had them or like trying to see if that would be like something they were interested in so it's like at 13 years old like you have this kid that's like manipulating other kids for like sexual experiences or like whatever so it yeah wow it was yeah it was a big thing I mean I like obviously like what I went through was a big thing but like the entirety of like what this person was doing was yeah unfathomable unfathomable for somebody like that age yeah that's some pretty serious stuff to be getting into at such a young age for sure yeah so so all of this would have so obviously this contributed to the depression and anxiety and um at what point did you realize that uh, like did the light turn on and you realized that you had depression and anxiety? Yeah. Um, I actually, I was in grade 12. Um, and I remember one day I was in shop class and I couldn't, not that I couldn't breathe, but I like couldn't catch my breath. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, this is weird. And like every so often I'd be able to do it. But I think, that went on for about four or five days before I finally told my parents and they took me to the doctor and he said that there was nothing wrong. I was fine and healthy and whatever. Um, and it went on for a bit longer. So I think my mom ended up taking me to the hospital or something. And again, they said that I was fine. I was healthy. Um, they couldn't see any reason as to why I wouldn't be able to breathe. Um, but they were, I think they were the ones that suggested that like I might have anxiety. Um, and then my mom, um, that was kind of the first time my mom ever really suggested, um, or like seriously suggested counseling. Okay. Um, yeah. So then, and, and that's when you started counseling? Yeah, she, she ended up finding somebody. I think she said that was like my doctor when I was first born. Um, and I remember, I think that was only like, or that was like the first, like, that was like the first, like, match of like what I thought a therapist like was like. She practiced out of her home, but her office was, like, this huge space and, like, your typical, like, therapist chairs and couches and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, And she Mm. was this old Middle Eastern woman. Mm. Um, And it was, I mean, it was going fine up until I think it finally opened up about what happened to me um, in junior high and stuff. And... We talked about it for a bit. The session ended. And then the next time I went in, she had brought in somebody else. Um, And I can't remember if it was like um, specialists like in that field or something. But I I just, I remember feeling super uncomfortable because I was like, 
I don't want to say I was forced, but like at the time, like I'm not experienced in like therapy and stuff. So I just right. like, I feel obligated to talk about it. Um, and it was hard enough opening up to run one stranger about it. And now I have to do it again. So it's just, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that was the last time or one of the last times I went to, um, therapy, like at that age. Okay. Um, but after that, I started becoming like very self-aware. Um, and my mom, again, was always kind of checking in to make sure how I was doing. So it would almost come in waves. I would, like as depression does, yeah. um, I would be fine for a bit. And then it would kind of start catching up um, to me. And um, like say a relationship would end and I'd be like, okay, like I'm not doing okay, mom. Like maybe we should try and find somebody else. Um, for me to talk to and yeah it was I think that's kind of how I've gotten to like where I am today because um, I started becoming self-aware mm-hmm. really young um, so and by self-aware you mean like just in tune with your emotions like yeah. how you were doing yeah okay um and so then, like, so now, what does treatment look like for you? How do you manage it? Um, treatment is counseling. Mm-hmm. I've had the same counselor for the last four, four and a half years, I think. Wow. Okay. So um, this is a person that you trust and... Yeah. With their, okay. um, and I mean, that was a really rocky start. <laughs> but she's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's great. Okay. Um, a lot of it is... Again, talking and communicating with people, whether it's my mom, my parents, um, my girlfriend, my friends, there was a point where I had completely shut down emotionally. Um, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I just kind of bury my feelings, bury my emotions, um, and just try and push through everything. And it only works for so long, and then... It could be the tiniest thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. And now you're overwhelmed with emotions and you don't have the ability to talk about it. Um, so you're just stuck and overwhelmed and that's not a good place to be. No, definitely not. I, I feel you. Definitely been there. Yeah. So... Um, do you feel like, do you feel responsible for your emotions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, everything. Yeah. I mean, everything I've been through is dealt with, um, I guess. So at this point it's just kind of, if I have a bad day or if I wake up and like my day sucks right from the get go, it's like I always try and hold myself accountable for trying to flip that around or if I'm having a good day and all of a sudden I get these thoughts in my head or I just get this overwhelming overwhelming shitty feeling it's just like okay like this is what's happening this is what I'm thinking if there's no immediate trigger then it's kind of like 
what can you do to uh, like get through it? What can you do to get over it kind of thing? So then do you have techniques in place to help you get through it and get over it? Um, I do. Yeah. I'm not always the best at following through with them. Um, right. One of them came from my counselor and it's like it gears more for um, my anxiety. So if I was ever about to have a panic attack, um, it's called like the five, four, three, two, one technique. Like you pick or you acknowledge like five things that you see um, for that. You feel three that you hear two that you smell and one that you taste or like something similar. Yeah. Um, and as you make the effort to pick out like so many things, like it takes your mind off of like the feeling of anxiety and it's supposed to help level you out. And I mean, it, it did more times than not. It did help. Um, sometimes panic attacks are just unavoidable and, they suck and you have to go through them. But uh, hmm. um, for me, music and video games um, were always big distractions um, growing up. Mm-hmm. So if I was ever super depressed, then I would just kind of get lost in the world of video games or I would listen to like really sad, really relatable music until I was able to like coax myself out of that. Mm. Um, and whenever I told people or like my parents would come in and be like, why are you like, why are you putting yourself through that kind of thing? It's well, like, because you can relate and you know, like other people can relate. So it just, um, that was a big thing growing up when I got into, um, like heavy rock and metal music. I would listen to it first thing in the morning getting ready for school and it would drive my mom wild. <laughs> and she was like, doesn't that make you like want to punch shit? And I'm like, no, because like I know that other people like want to punch shit and it just makes me less <laughs> angry. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well now that you explain it that way, I guess it makes sense. But yeah. As I got older, um, working out became a huge part of my life. Mm. Um, in the last couple of years, I've fallen off that completely. And I know that, um, that's a big part of why I can't shake my depression. Um, but because I'm at the point where I'm at mentally, like it's so hard to get motivated and like put the yeah. effort into actually not only going to the gym, but like making sure that you're eating properly and right. healthy yes. all the time. And yeah. It's just, <laughs> It's, it's a lot. And I mean, um, my girlfriend came home tonight and she bought a bunch of healthy groceries and she's like, this is the only, like, this is one I'm going to eat for the rest of the week and next week. And the only time I'm going to drink pop is when we go to the movies. And I'm like, okay, like if you're like this set in stone about doing this, then like, there's my motivation to actually like make the effort too. Awesome. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, we'll try and try and give that a go um but nowadays like photography is my escape nice yes Um, and you're quite a good photographer thanks (laughs) (laughs) um 
Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just because you have to, like, focus. Um, and I mean, like, you can go out and just, like, point a camera around and, like, take pictures or whatever. They don't have to be great, but in order to, like, really capture, like, what it is that you see, um, like, you have to put the time and effort and focus into making sure that, like, everything in your camera looks and feels the way it does to you. Um, and so I can go out for a hike um, and explore and set my camera up and do everything. Um, and within an hour, like I totally forget that I'm depressed and it's just like, oh, sweet. Okay, well, this is a good picture. Let's, yeah, it's that's awesome. It's different, yeah. Yeah, it's, so you're, you're bringing beauty out of the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I got a this. This might be a bit of a personal question, but we're we're get we're pretty personal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything at this point that like I can't <laughs> I can't answer. All right. Um, so then, what is your view on medication for depression? I've I've never been a fan of it. Okay. And that's just me. Um, like I said, my mom was on medication to treat her depression and she turned out fine. It helped. Yeah. She's back. She's been back on track for the last 15 years. Man. So it, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it works for some people. Um, at a really young age, um, I, um, kind of sided with the fact that I didn't want to rely on anything. Um, to make me like be who I am mm-hmm. and more times than not, I've seen medication, I guess, have negative effects on people. Um, just in the way of like people are just flat and zombies and weird. And currently, um, the girlfriend or the girlfriend, the medication my girlfriend takes, um, if she misses a day, she's like, she can't function. Um, the side effects are just so severe. So it's just, and I've never been good at staying on top of anything. So I just, I never want to put myself in the position where if I miss like a dose of medication that I wouldn't be able to function. Um, and I think recently being in my profession, um, 95% of the people who I work with or work for, however you want to put it, are on meds and I see what it does to them and being in a jail setting, um, medication is currency and it's protection um, and I just want no part of that. It's currency and protection, so as in, like, it's being traded? Yeah. 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 Like, um, and Oof. it wasn't, it was a couple years ago, um, I went into my doctor because my anxiety spiked, um, and I was actually, I went in to ask, like, what his stance on um, weed was, because there's so many doctors here who are still super not okay with prescribing their patients weed and that's it is what it is but his 
um, alternative before um, prescribing marijuana was Ativan. And um, I've seen firsthand what Ativan does to people at work. Um, And I've heard, or at the time, I heard more horror stories about Ativan than I did, but it wasn't, it wasn't a medication that I could take at work. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't like a constant thing. I wasn't taking it every day. He was like, well, if you have a panic attack or anything like that, like take it and it'll help calm you down. And it's like, well, if I do that, like if I have a panic attack at work, I can't take it at work because like it just, it's so strong. Like you can't function off of it. So I just like, it wouldn't help me where 95% of my anxiety comes from my job. Okay. So yeah. Um, but I mean, I've gotten this far without taking medication. I don't, I mean, hopefully knock on wood, I never get to the point where it's a necessity. Um, but if I had the ability to, um, smoke weed to cope with my anxiety, then I would do that over medication any day. Okay. So then, uh, I got, I have one last question that I can think of here, but we'll see if we yeah. come, I'm coming up with more, but, um, so to you then, what does it mean to be mentally healthy? Like when, what does that look like? Oh God. <laughs> I just have one more question. This really big question. Yeah. And I mean, like it, it sounds so terrible to say, but it's like, I don't even know if it's something that I could picture because I've been living with mental health issues for so long. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like, that sounds terrible to say. Yeah. (coughs) Sorry. It doesn't really sound terrible. It just sounds like Um, (laughs) normal, true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it... To me, it looks just like being free and not having to worry about battling with yourself. Being free, every day. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and I mean, like, I'm huge into watching people on YouTube, and um, a lot of people are really open about um, like their struggles mentally and stuff like that. But there are some people um, that I watch who say that they've never experienced like long-standing depression or anxiety um and i mean like obviously they're sympathetic for people that do but it's like to me that blows my mind like sorry there are there's so much that goes on like in the world and there's so much that like one person can go through um that yeah I don't to me like being normal is like not normal <laughs> <laughs> like it's uh, yeah. I, I don't know I don't know how to explain it any other way um, yeah that's yeah. so funny that makes perfect sense <laughs> okay yeah and, but I mean, like, if that's, if you've lived your life and you have never 
um, like gone through any sort of long-standing depression or anxiety, like good for you. Like I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, if you've never had a hard time in life, and you're still a decent human being, that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, given what I've gone through, I don't know. I feel I'm more normal than not, so. I would, like... I'm still getting to know you, but based off of what I know of you so far and what I know of your story so far, I would say that you are an extraordinary example of what it means to be the one in a million. (laughs) Like, it's just, it blows me away how kind you are. Like, you are a very, like a very sweet, kind and understanding kind of person and that just like I try. Would, yeah. <laughs> you can tell. I mean, yeah, I guess um I mean I definitely wasn't always this way. And I mean there are still moments I have where I probably I probably go a lot further than I should, but I'm getting to the point and I'm getting to the age which makes me feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> To say <laughs> that it's just like it's not worth the effort. Um, nine times out of ten, your arguments online don't mean anything. Um, if people want to be in your life, they will. Um, if people want to show you their true colors and their true colors are really shitty, then they're going to do that too and it's up for you to decide whether or not you put up with that Mm. um, for a long time. And recently there have been a couple people who have showed me who they are and the type of person that they can be. And it just doesn't flow with me at all. Um, And it just takes way too much, I guess, like emotional strength and effort to like keep up with that. And it just... It ain't worth it, living with depression and anxiety. Um, Some days you can't even, um, yeah, you can't even do that for yourself. So it it makes no sense to um, put energy that you don't have most days into somebody that isn't going to be in any way supportive um, of you. So. Yeah. A wow. lot of learning. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Well, Mike. Rude. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming no, out tonight. Thank you. For, this is awesome. Like, for your bravery and opening up and talking to me and the listeners about some really like serious stuff that's happening and that's happened. and. I don't even think like the seriousness of all this is gonna hit me until i see it on the internet because <laughs> yeah. that was like i was so anxious coming over here i was like holy shit i'm doing a podcast like people are gonna hear this people are gonna hear it. and yeah but yeah 
yeah getting into it and like i knew that talking would like distract me from that yeah um yeah so this will be interesting this will be interesting (laughs) i feel like it's gonna be good i dig it though yeah i i i know that feeling too i totally understand that feeling of like afterwards you're all of a sudden like oh no yeah (laughs) (laughs) what have i done (laughs) what it's like i mean yes it's a big subject but at the same time like I don't know, like between us, it's just like one conversation. Yeah. But like having it go online, you're like, okay, like there are friends, there are family, there's like coworkers. And I think you have to, you definitely have to be okay with, um, I guess having them know or like it, just acknowledging the possibility that they'll know because I mean, like half my family's not on Facebook, but the other half are, who are, I don't know whether or not they would listen to this, um, but for the most part, they know. Um, they know that I have. God damn! They know that I have anxiety. They know that I have depression. Um, they're just unaware. I think for the most part, um, as to why, and I know, like I've talked about it vaguely on social media before, so I'm sure they have some idea. Um, but I mean. Everything that's happened happened more than 10 years ago. So at this point, let them find out, I guess. Anybody who wants to reach out, um, feel free, I guess. I feel you. That's that's awesome. So um, then how about uh, we end this with you just letting us know your handles. So if anyone wants to get a hold of you and talk more about anything or follow you that they can yeah so i mean on facebook um it's just michael musso um on instagram it's modern moose but it's mdrn no vowels moose dot photo um like i said if anybody who is listening has been through something similar if any of my friends wind up listening who aren't aware of what I've been through and you want to reach out and talk about it, um, feel free at this point. I'm an open book. <laughs> um, on Instagram, feel free to send me a message. Anything that's said um, or talked about, what have you, is 100% always confidential. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to talk about what you're going through. Um, yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> you're amazing. Thank you so much. Again, thank you. This, is, this whole thing is amazing. And I can't wait to see what else comes out of this. Thank you. I can't wait to see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good night. Cool.